The problem is we should not fucking have offices. Like <laughs> office jobs are fucking disgusting. If you want to make hugs better and ever, all these men are like, can I hug a woman at work? It's like, you know, it'd be great if we didn't have fucking jobs where some people had power over other people. Now I realize that this sounds like a really wacky, crazy thing to say, but there yeah, are not to us. One of the things uh, I think is interesting is that you have coworkers, right? When you're in porn, you have these people that you that are basically like, oh, we you know we all work at the same place, but you have this really intense physical connection yeah. to them, and I I think that's so different than the average person going to their job. Yeah, it's like the opposite this. workplace. Yeah, you know, like is that does <laughs> yeah. that change? Yeah. Like, is your is I mean, you've worked in academia, so you have a, a comparison where you would never be that intensely close to, I assume, somebody you work with. Is do you have those same relationships with your with other porn actors, or is it the relationship is way better when when sex is like acknowledged and mediated, like it is in in porn. It's just so much better with other porn performers than anybody else. Like. Sex workers are just the best people, um, and and I'm not just saying that because I am one, but it's like I can't uh, I can't tell you how much easier it is to get along with people who have a level of sophisticated and healthy detachment from their bodies. Right. It's just it's just so much fucking easier to live in that world, and a, a, a lot gay men are like that to an extent too, just because for lots of cultural reasons basically um but i think it's you know porn performers in particular it's not like it's not like it's not like someone could not touch us on set or in our lives in non-violent ways of course they can and often they do like take liberties with us in really shitty ways but between us like we have understandings about each other's bodies and where our limits are and what would be okay and not okay and we we understand how to roll with comments and and I, I just it's just very different mm. you know what's the is there a dark side is there a bad side to the porn world not really it's like it's like there's a bad side to the rest of the world yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> porn is like yeah, the right. nice like porn is like the nice version i mean of course there's bad shit about it there's bad shit about everything right but it's like it's not the stuff that people say it's it's mostly just the stuff that's everywhere else you know so um yeah, like people are dicks out in the world and racist idiots, so there are racist idiots in porn. Like people exploit their workers in the rest of the world, so sometimes people exploit their workers in porn. porn. It's right. just, it's it's all that stuff. The thing that the dark side of porn, honestly, is people who don't is it, is all it all comes from the outside. It's um, I I said this. There's if you guys know who John Ronson is, he has this um series called the butterfly effect and this was like the like I, I, I consulted with him on it for a long time and this was the one quote of mine that he put in but i think it was good where it just said like you know like all 
all porn, like all problems in pornography come from people on the outside. It's, it's like, and that doesn't mean that there aren't assholes on the inside, but anything that's specific to porn, it's related to people from the outside kind of not getting it and pushing whatever biases, whether they're legal or stigmatization or job discrimination or whatever the fuck else is on it. That's the dark side of it is dealing with other people's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was recently a porn tragedy. Yeah. Have you talked about that at all? Or No, I haven't really talked about it. I mean, I tweeted about it, you know, and I talked about it with other porn performers. So right. so for those who don't know, a, a popular porn performer, August Ames, said on Twitter that she wouldn't uh, do a scene with a gay star, right? Because it's like a higher, she thought it was a higher risk for AIDS or something. And she was like, it's my body, it's my choice. And then she got a big backlash, a bunch of people getting mad at her, and then she died. She, uh, I think, Xanax overdose. I don't know if it was suicide or not. So, yeah, what's where are you saying? I mean, I think it's pretty clear there was suicide, but I can't say that definitively. Um, yeah, so that's a it's a really complicated issue that if you're outside the industry, it's very difficult to understand. Like... There's a long history of straight performers saying that kind of stuff. So it's not like August Ames was the first person to say, I'm not going to work with a cross. This is like a crossover performer, someone who worked in gay porn and then was doing straight porn or mostly straight porn and did a few gay porn. Like there's so many complicated things about this Um, because when she says my body, my choice, people think of it in the context of the way we run sex outside of porn. I don't get to pick my scene partners. Like uh, people show up and it's like, do your job, like have sex with this person. And if I said, I'm not going to have sex with this person, this person, this person, nobody would ever hire me. Right. So there's already an expectation. That's like, people are going to show up, do your job. You know, now do I get to every once in a while be like, no, I'm not going to work with this person for whatever reason. Of course. Right. But I just want to point out already. There's a distinction there. Like it's not just, my body, my choice in the way that people outside of porn understand right, it. Right, right. There's some other factor there. So for her to make the distinction is really important. It's for her to essentially say, I won't work with this person. It's not, I won't have sex with this right. person alone. It's I also, I refuse to work with this person. So then when you say that and you say, I refuse to work with this person because they've had gay sex, then it starts sounding a little weirder. Like then I won't have sex with this person because I feel like it's a risk to my own body. So, but I, I also have to acknowledge n- nobody has to work with anybody that they don't want to work with. Like that's everybody's right. Well, that's right the to tough do. line to toe here, right? I mean, that's yes. the difficulty of talking about this. Yes, for sure. So, so, but there are other factors to consider and what she, what she should have just said, here, here's the thing. I, I certainly don't think I am certain I did not know her. I'm, but whenever someone dies or is seriously hurt in our, in, in the porn industry, like it affects everybody and it's really intense. And I saw a lot of people who are deeply affected and sad, saddened and fucked up by this event. So I was affected in that sense, but it was really secondary. Um, but the thing is she, so, so I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, you know, dissing this person that killed themselves. However, her statement did, I think, deserve some people like being like, that's a fucked up statement. She could have just said like, 
she could have said nothing, first of all. Why did she go on Twitter and say it? Did right. she think she was helping people? Did she think she was helping porn performers by saying that? Because she acted, she actually ended up hurting a lot of porn performers. It seemed like she was like pissed about something. She was it, pissed about something. Uh, she was pissed about like losing a gig or something like that, right? Or it seemed like she was like lashing out for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean there I there's a lot of context in her life and career that I don't feel at liberty to yeah, talk about. Fine. But but it's not it wasn't it wasn't just yeah. one thing that she said. We'll just put it that way. Right. Okay. And so then gay performers um, and a lot of straight performers got pissed off at her making this statement, which makes no sense because if you're a gay performer and you're working for a straight studio, you have to go through all the same protocols as all the other performers who are doing. It just makes it makes zero sense that she would have made that like there's no scientific reason for her to have said this or logical reason for her to say it it's just homophobic yeah it's straight up there's no actual facts backing it. Uh, yes yeah, right. there's always the tendency to, to, to point a finger and say you know because this happened this is why this person killed themselves but somebody kills themselves there's a lot of there's factors into it up to that yeah. you know of course like, of course yeah the the idea that you get dragged on social media and that like that's the you know that's going to do it to you that just kind of disregards what somebody's individual uh, psychological state might be at a given time. Right. Well, you know? if you're gonna if you're going to accept that, if you're going to accept that she killed herself because she was cyberbullied, you also have to accept that thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of LGBT people have killed themselves because of homophobia. So it's like I can't just let go of the fact that she said that comment. Then, well, you know, right. so it's but like if see, we're it going bothers, to when people say that, it bothers me because that's not fair i mean you can't say oh she killed herself it's too bad she went through what millions of homophobes. no 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 like, I, that's not that no that's not what i'm justifying that's not anything. what i'm saying i'm saying if you're going to use the logic that that's why she killed herself right okay. then we need to understand that her comment was contributing also to an atmosphere that lends itself to people killing themselves so there's a continuity of bullying I happening see. there okay, yeah. is what i'm saying but here's the thing august did not she had every right to not work with whoever she wanted and it doesn't have to be logical right it doesn't it have be to be logical she can be like right, right, i feel right. anxious i yeah, feel whatever yeah, yeah, i feel yeah. whatever she made a public statement that upset a lot of people some people responded in ways that i think were not about the issue itself but really deep personal attacks on her and when you're being stigmatized by every fucking person in the world for being a porn performer and suddenly the community that you feel turns safe on in you. Wow, turns yeah, on yeah. you, it's re it can be really devastating. Totally. Because you're kind of like already ostracized and now you're getting ostracized from the ostracized, which is like, fuck, how do you even deal with that? Yeah, that's yeah. fucked up. So we got to be. I, so I think a lot of what's coming out of this ultimately is that we're sort of seeing like we got to be there for each other. And it doesn't matter if we never even meet each other because you're a gay performer and you're straight performer like all we really have is each other sex workers you know right so i think that's part of what's coming out of her suicide actually so um you know in that sense i'm not grateful that she killed herself but i'm grateful for some of the conversations that are happening right now yeah yeah um all right well so i want to talk about um you know, you have such an interesting perspective on touching each other and the importance of it, and also the importance of touching each other in terms of having opposing opinions. What is your take on the Weinstein effect? Where are we? First of all, what did Harvey Weinstein do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think he's a you know rapist and a sexual like <laughs> assaulter and all that. I mean, what so? I don't know if that's the first of all. No, but like what? So what? What was? What did Weinstein? 
where did he cross the line from being a toucher to a rapist? Oh, I don't know. You mean in his personal history or psychology or what do you mean? I'm just saying, like where what's what it, what makes him a monster? <laughs> Well, I, I'm not. Let me just be very clear. I am not personally defending Harvey Weinstein at all. I think he is a monster. But let's talk about why. Part so, of, part of yeah. the issue is with Harvey Weinstein, though, and we always kind of circle around this: is the idea that it's not just that he was a creep and and was like, "Hey, watch me shower, give me a massage," but he was doing it to people he had real direct control over. Like, there's a there's a real difference. And that that's the that's the purpose is he preyed on people he was working with. It's not like rando people in a bar and he said, Hey, come up to my room and now watch yeah. me jerk off. Right. They were people that had other ideas about what he was meeting them about. Right. So is the power dynamic part of it for you when Well, I mean, I think with him, I think he's maybe not the best example to talk about broader social issues because he's been accused of raping women like forcibly raping women and it's like if you forcibly rape someone and then like at a party you're really handsy with somebody that makes it seem like a very different thing to me than if you haven't forcibly raped someone and you're a little handsy with someone right. at a party you know so he's probably not the best example he also sent Mossad spies. Yeah. Um, no, he's <laughs> pure fucking evil. So, yes, no, he's pure evil. The guy is pure evil. But I'm okay. trying to set one side of the spectrum here. You know, okay, I'm, trying, so, I'm trying to like say this is the definite thing. Like we build from here. You know, right? In build terms, what? Of, we build a definition of what's appropriate and what isn't. I mean, well, how? You know, <laughs> I don't know why he's the one you would point because to. he's definitely what's not appropriate. Oh, okay. Did you hear what he did with Selma Hayek? The guy was yeah, like I read fucking that, pure evil, dude. Did article. you see that thing mm -hmm. where he like Selma Hayek wouldn't fuck him, so he forced her to do a sex scene in the movie? Yeah. Ugh. yeah. I mean, the guy's just fucking evil. Yeah. He's an Depraved. evil man. And his whole life is about just you know trying to stick like force women to. You know, it's talking about conquering, but in the worst possible of fucking ways, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, Weinstein's horrible. But Louis C.K., is Louis C.K. horrible? I don't know. You know, I mean, is some of these other guys, what they've done, are they... To equate them with Weinstein is surely problematic because what they're doing is nowhere near as bad as what he's doing. So where's the line? Well, I, we've talked about Louis C.K. before, and that there's also a power dynamic there that that it's not just Louis C.K. had women come up to his room and he's like, hey, I'm going to jerk off in front of you. It's Louis C.K. had comedians, people that are coworkers ostensibly, people that he has power over to some extent, saying, hey, come up to my room, and then he pulls his dick out. So there's a power question there, right? Because you're focusing on what the sexual behavior is. Does somebody do this sexual thing? Is this sexual line crossed? But it's less about that. It's less about misusing your power in order to achieve sexual ends. So yeah. if you focus on is it worse to you know rape a woman versus jacking off in front of one, that doesn't really answer the, 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 the problem. The problem is using your power to force people to engage in sex that they would not otherwise engage in. Right, which is why so many of these conversations are, are the ones that we focused on I think in this moment are work related in some way, right? They're because they're about work structures a lot. A lot of it is about work structures and and those kinds of dynamics. I mean, Louis C.K. is Louis C.K. is one of the more. <laughs> 
I feel badly even using this word, but more and more interesting people to look at in this whole thing because yes, he didn't touch anybody. He didn't. So let I will focus on the sexual thing for a second. He didn't touch anybody. He did sort of try half-heartedly to get consent, although I don't think he really knew what that meant. He apologized to women afterward on his own before this all came out. You know, there's a lot of aspects there that seem to kind of lessen what, you know, he, what he's responsible for and what he did. And I think that that's why a lot of people feel conflicted about him as opposed to Harvey Weinstein. Right. And so I think a lot of people are just like, well, uh, I don't know. Like, is that, is that like the worst thing that you can do or whatever? But it's placed on right now a continuity of, or a continuum of like, and the way that people are talking is this continuum of, well, sure, like this director grabbed my ass at a party. Uh, and by the way, like Harvey Weinstein, like raped this woman, right? Now those two things sound very different, but I think that what's being talked about right now are these work structures and all that kind of stuff. So if anybody's done anything in those right now, it's being like called out. Now it's having an issue, which I think you're pointing out, which is like, it's blurring together and it really is blurring together the sexual component uh, of what the of the actual sexual acts and the kinds of violation that people are experiencing to talk more squarely about this continuum of these power abuses and violations i think that that's i i th i think we deserve a better and more complex complicated uh, and complicated version of the conversation that we're getting because I think it would actually do a lot more to help survivors to punish people appropriately to get us out of these patterns all that kind of stuff but because that continuum hasn't been talked about for so long and so many people have been silenced about it that's what's coming to the surface now. And we have to contend with that in some way as well absolutely I, I think we're on I, I hear what you're saying um, my only question is, what is the standard? You know, because our society tends to make everything about power. That's what kids are taught, taught all the time. They're taught everything is about these power dynamics. And as long as one group is more powerful than the other, that group is always the bad guy, and this group is always being oppressed by them, right? And that's what we're seeing here is another manifestation of that, is in the workplace, if you ever sleep with somebody below you, you're bad. And, you know, there was a, there was an article in Slate that came out recently. Hold on. I don't know that it's that, that simple. It's well, not hold always. On. Let me just finish, finish the point here. There was an article in Slate that came out recently where a woman was saying, yeah, my boss got drunk and hit on me, and now we're married and have three kids and have a wonderful life together. So, you know, that woman could have very easily gotten that guy fired. But is that really what we want? I mean, do we want to make it so that – you know, the adultery is no longer, you can't work in the workplace if you're an adulterer. You can't work in the workplace if you hit on any of your people who are beneath you. I mean, that just seems, that's not, a, that's such a silly puritanical rule. Well, no, here's the thing. You're, it's like, you're in that trap again that he was talking about, which is you're still focusing on the sex part. The problem is, 
we should not fucking have offices. Like <laughs> office jobs are fucking disgusting. If That's you want to make hugs better and ever, all these men are like, can I hug a woman at work? It's like, you know, it'd be great if we didn't have fucking jobs where some people had power over other people. Now I realize that this sounds like a really wacky, crazy thing to say, but there yeah, are to us. economic structures that lend themselves better to having those kinds of workplaces rather than someone then giving you a hug and you feeling like you can't say no to the hug because you're going to get fired if you don't want to hug that day. So that's the pressure that everybody who's getting paid less, which in our culture, except in porn, interestingly enough, and modeling, women are paid far less than men. So the women are constantly subjected to having to have to say yes to hugs because the men are making more money than them and they'll get fired if they say no. So let's get rid of that fucking bullshit. And then like... But you're right, too, in saying, like, look, we're all focusing because our culture is so fucked up about sex, about the hug, you know? And so many people are focusing on that aspect. I think it'd be disingenuous to say, like, no, we're just talking about power structures. We are also talking about sex and, like, the way people interact with each other sexually. And it's being, it is being used as a scapegoat and, like, a diversion to talk about these power you know, structures that we need to fucking eliminate. Well, but until those structures are gone, until the workplace is gone, there's a lot of male, male lives and let's not, you know, men are people too. There's a lot of male lives that are being ruined by this. And some of them, I would argue innocently, you know, some of them not, and some of them very deservedly. So, but there's also some guys out there who, are not doing anything wrong and they're having their lives ruined by a standard that is not clearly defined. You know, it's like to, to take each one of these as a case by case basis, it's like, okay, but then how the fuck are we supposed to know what we're allowed to do and what we aren't? I mean, I have no idea if I was single but and not, in the workplace, not know. if I was single and in the workplace and I wanted to fuck someone I work with, I have no idea what I'm allowed to do and not. I don't know what the standard is. I don't know what's okay. As far as I'm concerned, I have to stay the fuck away from my female co coworkers anytime, you know, it's not totally obviously fraternal. Well, I just, I think that you're making it much more simplistic than it is. It's, it's not about you're, you can't date people that you work with although this obsession with dating people you work with i don't i don't get it either but whatever well that's that's because most people's days are taken up by work because right our economy sucks so fucking bad yeah. that people work like 70 hour yeah, weeks so we spend all the only time, time they other. socialize yeah right and so that's what i'm saying since they that's are sorry, stuck in these horrible yeah. things but let's 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 identify what you're talking about that article that you referred to the slate article she tells a story about her boss kind of hit on her and she was into it and then she, well it, she didn't know that she was into it and then, at first she said she liked his friend yeah but then, then it she, but then yeah, it progressed right. but it, nowhere in that article does her boss leverage his power over her at least to my reading to make her do stuff which is different cuz a lot of what the discussion is about is about people leveraging their uh, unnatural power over others in order to achieve results. So if you hit on your coworker, you're not necessarily leveraging your power. You're well, just saying, you, hey, we say work together. That women, it, uh, is there an argument to be made that women are attracted to power? 
Well, let, let's. For everybody is attracted to power like a fucking moth to right. a light bulb, right? So, but, b- you know. but, but here's the thing. The, so, when you're focusing, like, when you're saying, oh, like, men's lives are being destroyed, you're right. There are innocent men who are getting, like, fucked over by this. Or there are people who probably should be considered innocent, but did something that was just gross, that, like, it's not as big of a deal as something else. But, dude, it's been, like, three months. Like, like the other shit has been going on for, like, decades, and now we've hit, like, three months of it going this way. Like, we got, we'll weather it. Like, uh, can we really say their lives are being ruined? Like, we just have to have this conversation. It's not, you know, my, one of my favorite articles is, like, by this one, um, Kate McDonough, and she was just, like, the thing that we kept fooling ourselves about was that this was not going to hurt when we addressed it. It hurts. It's messy. It's fucked up because it's been going on for so long that now we're dealing with it. So it's like this blip on the fucking timeline. And it sucks for some people. And I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying we should just be like, well, fuck. It's like, so what? It's just been a few months. So you lost your job. And you can't like, you know, pay for your insurance and like, fuck you, whatever. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying if, if we want to stand back and see how it's playing out historically, that's this moment. You know, well, I don't think history is going to look very kindly on this time, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think it's important. I think the shift is important. I've been enjoying seeing it. You know, I have very close family members who've gone through this shit, so I get it, man. But I worry about that justification where, you know, these guys are casualties of a changing world. That's kind of also the argument used for punching people that you don't agree with in the face and also censoring speech on campus. It's like, oh, it's been going the other way for so long. So what if we are committing injustices now? I mean, I kind of am a believer in the whole injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I mean, if if you're simply changing one injustice for the other injustice, that doesn't seem like a good argument to me. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I don't think that change happens without that happening either. That's the problem. The reality of things changing in our culture is that those sorts of things happen. So what we can do instead of saying, well, like, just fuck those guys that are innocent or whatever is like have the strength to stand up for people that we think are actually innocent, that we know, I should say that we know in our hearts and in our actions because we actually have some personal investment in their lives are innocent. I know people who have been falsely accused of horrible things by people who have relented afterward and or were clearly like disturbed. Like I know I've seen these things happen. I've seen them unfold, false accusations against people unfold and they're fucking ugly, right? And I also think that like, in a sex negative culture, it's like, like Morgan Spurlock, the guy who directed Supersize Me, he's like, I'm part of the problem, you know, and he talks about like having this thing with this woman that maybe she felt assaulted, maybe she didn't. But then he also goes on to, he's like, and I've cheated on every woman I've ever been with. I'm like, that's not part of the discussion, dude. Like, <laughs> like we can't, like in, in our culture, you could see how ready people might be to pounce on that and be like, yes, that's part of it. This is like cheating on people is awful. Well, that's and, what's scary. You know, and reinforcing yeah. these like yeah. fundamentalist like ideas of how relationships should work. But I think that it's like, it's up to us to do a lot of things here but not really up to us to say to, to, to cushion to to help the people who are innocent, I- including the the people who have been subjected to sexual violence, um, and to um, 
and to have better conversations and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that's not really, I don't think helpful is to be so focused on the people who might have like that, that might've happened to these like false accusations that we start condemning the conversation or trying to shut it down sure, or whatever. For sure. No, I'm not trying to condemn it's the conversation extra work. at all. It's just, how do you not, cause okay. In the Matt Lauer article, right? Like four times do they say, and he was married at the time. And it's like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with the point right. you're making. It's like, okay, are we now saying adulterers are not allowed in the, in the workplace? Like, I, no, I, we can't say that. I, I agree with you that, of course, the protection of innocence is more important than the prosecution of guilt, like if you have a choice. However, I think that the argument that you keep making, which is this kind of blanket idea that everyone who works together that has any kind of romantic connection is going to be punished, it's not helpful to define it in those terms because the real issue is is about power dynamics and saying, oh, women are attracted to power. That's like, that's meaningless. That doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about because the, the issue is misusing your power over somebody else because we work in this environment is, where you arbitrarily are at the mercy of somebody who you haven't actually granted power to. You haven't elected the people that you work for. They are, they're just put in over you, but you are at their whim. And if you're a young starlet and Harvey Weinstein says, come up to my room and rub my feet, you don't have a choice, really. Right, totally. But what about if that young starlet is attracted to a person in power and that older person is attracted to the starlet and he fucks her? Is that exploiting your power? No. Well, but so how can you tell? It's very difficult to tell the difference. It's not, not in the Weinstein case, because Weinstein was a fucking lunatic. But I mean, the Louis C. Case, case, that is a little bit hard to parse because he invites them back to the room. He says, can I do this? He does it. But it's, were but, they there? How did he know they didn't weren't attracted but to it's him? Also, how do you know all, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get it too deep into that because who knows what's on anybody's mind. But it's also the context. They are comedians. They're not people at a bar. Again, I've said this many times. If Louis C.K. picked up women at a bar and was like, hey, you want to go upstairs? And they're like, sure. And then he pulls his dick out and says, mind if I jerk off in front of you? And they're like, yeah. I would be like, oh, you know, whatever. If they complained about it later, who cares? But these are comedians. These are people he works with. And Louis C.K. is on a different social mm -hmm. situation than these guys. He's connected to powerful people. He wrote for Chris Rock. He wrote for Conan. He's like a, he's a made guy in comedy. So if you're this young up and coming comedian and made guy in comedy says, Hey, let's hang out. You know, it's a different circumstance. So, I mean, look, look it's like the, the, just to address what you're saying about this power thing in, in conjunction with what you just said, I mean, sure. People are attracted to, people are attracted to power. People are attracted to situations where they feel uncomfortable and people are attracted to situations where they uh, like pe people find release in, in coercion sometimes. There are all sorts of variations of people's sexualities. I think that that's all, I think that that's all something that we need to talk about. That's additional work. That's not a way to talk about, in my mind, it's not really a way to talk about this conversation. It's just additional work we have to do as a culture. So like when we talk about this whole 
you know, when we talk about women being harassed and assaulted and all that kind of stuff, that conversation needs to happen and we're having it. So these other conversations where we're like, okay, but like sometimes, you know, my ideas of sex and what I want are a little confusing to me. Sometimes I'm drawn to power. Sometimes I'm drawn to manipulating people. Sometimes blah, blah, blah. Those are conversations we need to have too. I think it's hard for some people to stick their necks out and say those kinds of things. And, I'm trying to say the things that I think are important that shouldn't be lost in these conversations and trying to handle it in a way that's like, look, I want all victims to be able to speak up and whatever. I fucking take a hit sometimes for doing that. And I can't imagine what it must be like for certain other people who are like, whether they're speaking against Harvey Weinstein or whatever to like take the hit for the thing that they want to fucking say. And like when they're speaking out against powerful institutions, entrenched cultural attitudes, all that kind of stuff. But, um, it, 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 I just see it as something, it's like, we just have to do this extra stuff. It's not that. <laughs> that that's it. That's all we have to do. We have to do this extra stuff. And you know what? We weren't doing it before anyway. It's not like people were talking about all these like crazy psychoanalytic sexual dimensions of power and blah, blah, blah in a way that was like so useful that it began to change culture before this was happening either. We just need to do all of this. That's all. So what do you think the effects will be then on the touching relationship between men and women of this Mm. massive I don't even know what you call this cultural cataclysm that is what's happened in the past well I think one of the weirdest things to remember is that most people don't give a shit about this <laughs> <laughs> seriously and I, that, that's it's that's really first true. of all like I mean I'm talking to someone in Ireland the other day and he was like oh, yeah like we're like laughing at your conversation like we think it's dumb you know and then like went on to tell me about people getting in like bar fights you know and, like sophisticated people it's like there's like this is something that's happening in our culture and even most people in our culture don't give a shit so when we start talking about what kind of effect it's going to have it's important to keep in mind that it's still going against this sort of cultural apathy so it it has this sort of like um thermodynamic second law of thermodynamics like effect right it's going to erode in, in its strength and, and potency over time and as it diffuses into culture. So I don't know. And that, I'm, by the way, not championing that, although sometimes I find comfort in apathy because I'm just like, well, let me just go where nobody gives a fuck about this, which is most places, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I think that, uh, so I, I don't know, it's hard to predict. Maybe it'll do something here in our town, you know, because this is like the fucking nexus Central, of it. Yeah. It might start rearranging relationships in Los Angeles. Um, and I don't, but I don't know. I mean, that's really, it's a really hard thing to say. I think it's affecting people now, like in the way you're talking about, you're expressing a nervousness and anxiety about how, how appropriate it is to talk to somebody about being attracted to them or wanting to fuck them or whatever it is, you know? And I, I mean, I feel a totally different standard. Just, just, I was in New York and I was on the subway and I was looking at a girl and I remember feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Which is, of course, not, you know, nobody's saying don't look at women, but with the, the with this plus the whole man spreading thing, plus like just the general backlash against straight men, white men, I feel totally policed in my behavior in a way that I've never felt before. 
in my day-to-day life. Like, I, I don't know how to, like, honestly, what I do now, I just don't even engage because I don't want to get in trouble. You know what I mean? I just say like, okay, I, like when I'm, when a girl is like uh, an attractive girl is around or even an unattractive girl that I don't need to interact with, it's not like I'm going to like be mean or anything, but I'm much more like guarded in my behavior. Do you feel that way? No. I think that, no, I, I don't, I don't have that. I don't apply that to daily life stuff. I, I feel th- the same way that I have in the past. You know, I think that you're over. I think that you're not Just taking sensitive to it. Well, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I can tell because true. the way that you keep describing it is about, oh, I can't fuck around with my coworkers anymore. And that's not really what that discussion is about. You know, it's not about policing every interaction with with somebody of the opposite sex or same sex. Although it does. There's definitely people online that are they'll say me too stuff. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't sound. I mean, I don't want to judge somebody else's experience, but like. Because a man like yelled at you at a bar, that's not, you know, that's different than than what other people are saying. Me too, wise. Yeah. But, but I don't. I definitely don't walk around having that feeling. And I would also say that the experience of people's behavior being policed is common to a lot of people that aren't straight white men. A lot of people walk around and get their behavior policed by society you know gay men walking around holding hands together definitely there's policing that happens whether or not it's active or passive do you know what i mean so i think straight white men have been and i'm not one of these guys that you know straight white men but straight white men have had the benefit of not having their activity policed in public i i don't disagree with that uh what i disagree with is the response to that being Let's right. now police more behavior. Right. right. You should, know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't yeah. be enforce we shouldn't be strengthening the policing. Exactly. I, I agree with that. And I think that a lot of these conversations end up and I think this is the real problem. And it this is where the conversation should lead us, is that these kinds of interactions tend to strengthen the institutions that are already in power and oppressing us because they're always ready to fucking seize the moment and use it against because us. Which is what's happening they're professionals. in every way. That's yeah, what totally. they are. That's so like, every bank is like, yay, gay rights now. It's like, what, what are you yeah, doing? What, 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 well, whatever it could be. So <laughs> if you have... If you have um, like <laughs> when when you have a conflict and you have to go to the state to mediate the conflict, you're supporting the state's apparatus to like come in and mediate the conflict for you, right? So then everybody like starts mediating their conflicts by enforcing the thing that's creating the overarching structure that's fucking everybody up in the first place. And I think that that's the problem and I think that that's part of what you're talking about. What we need to do instead is say, look, so, so as you're talking about before, like some people using the me too thing, you're like, that's not that, like, yeah. you know, so what, what we need to do is say, okay, so someone said, oh, this guy kept hitting on me and he wouldn't stop at the bar and I told him to stop, but he just kept, he was so persistent. Me too. It's like, no, okay, that's not, that's <laughs> yeah. not me too, really. Like, th- I'm sorry. It's just not. However, um, it sounds like you felt really uncomfortable you should be able to find help and compassion for this experience that felt like shit for you. You know, you, we don't have to tell everybody like you have to state unequivocally that you've been completely violated to deserve help. That's really telling of the culture we live in that people feel like they have to express that they've been 
damaged right. beyond all repair yeah, right, right, to get right. any fucking services, yeah. any compassion, any help whatsoever. So then when we start talking about these standards for you, you don't want to reinforce the state or the policing or whatever. So don't reinforce the compassionless response to people that are asking for help, even just because you think like it's not that bad. You right, know what I mean? Right. So, so meet them where they're mm. at and you can keep inside your head. Well, you know what? Like, being violently physically raped is not the same thing as someone catcalling somebody else or whatever. Of course, they're not the same thing, right? But when the person with the sort of lesser, in quotes, like violation comes to you, you can still be compassionate and be like, how can I help? You know, and that's, but I, that's I hear you. And I think that that's a very fascinating way to do it. And I think thinking of it that way is is very interesting saying like, by drawing these lines that the state kind of wants you to draw, needing somebody to be on this side of the line to, oh, you're now you're legitimate and this person denies. It's very inhuman. It's very like mechanized, which I don't like. And I agree. You want to treat people as people on the line. But if I am saying, yes, you are also a survivor, you know, like I hate that word because it's like I survived being hit on at a bar one time. Like I feel like aren't you – supporting the state also then because you're saying like okay everyone is a survivor now everyone has a um right to feel like a victim which is kind of like i don't know if that's well, right Good. someone who's dying of pancreatic cancer doesn't want to hear a me too from someone who had a mole removed exactly you know what i mean yeah. it's like they're completely different situations even if there is some continuity between them and that person who has the mole removed should not go up to the person with pancreatic cancer and be like i know exactly how you <laughs> feel, right? it's not cool like that's actually a really fucking shitty thing to do so and and i get it and then it's like you know and that that blurs everything together in like a really shitty way so but I do think that continually supporting the person, oh, you know what? You had a mole removed. You had skin cancer. Maybe that was scary for you and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's a, it's a lot different than what this person's going through. But, you know, it also sounds like you went through something really shitty and hard for you. That actually, that does part, and like start to pull apart the conversations. Like, that kind of support does make it easier for everybody to contend with the problem it really is just a question of being compassionate which is something i fail at all the time especially on twitter where I'm like, well, <laughs> asshole. but it's like but but it does help you know really does like i think actually clarify everything when you have that response right i mean i think yeah see it's like i'm kind of buying into this jordan peterson thing of compassion versus conscientiousness have you seen that no, I avoid him at all. So. <laughs> His voice is annoying, right? I can't. Yeah, it's it's like it's like someone like someone sucked half the air out of a closet yeah, that like, Kermit oh, the Frog was yeah. thinking. Yeah, and he's like, sounds like he's about to cry. I always every, say it sounds like time. he's mad about a, a bad order of soup, and he's trying to get uh, a new. <laughs> cup of soup. All I constant. Want. I think when he's like got a bad or a soup and he wants the waitress to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Like that's his shtick. <laughs> All right. Nice. Sorry, no, go no, ahead. No, okay, okay, I'll finish. So he has this thing of compassion versus conscientiousness, which are right-wing people are con conscientious, left-wing people are compassionate. And compassionate is you care about the disenfranchised, the minority, the person who has the least in the room, right? If there's a room of 10 people, you're worried about that one person that is not doesn't have what everybody else has, right? That's compassion. Conscientiousness is worrying about the whole. 
You know, like you are going to care about the rights of the majority because the majority of the people are the majority. You know what I mean? And they, they things that maybe affect them a little bit less add up to something big when it's affecting all of them. You know, utilitarianism kind of. So I kind of agree with him in that sense in that I think some I think it's born. I mean, he says it's basically you don't have a choice whether or not you're kind of right leaning or left leaning. Like it's just the way that you see the world. And as somebody who sees the world in a more right leaning way, I always defaulting to compassion can be equally dangerous to always defaulting to conscientiousness. You know, always caring only about the victim who's saying they're a victim. I mean, I think sometimes the appropriate response is to say you're not a victim. Yeah, like when someone says you're not a victim of uh, not being able to use the pronouns, you want Jordan Peterson, so you're actually not a victim. Uh, so, that might be well, the conscientious go, right? response. I, so, I mean, that's, of course, that's <laughs> that's the thing, right? But I, I don't know if JPP is saying that he's a victim. I think he's just saying, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do I this. I think he's pretty clear. But okay, The soup was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. I, I think, I don't, I mean, I don't get his terms, so I can't really adopt it. No, but I, mean, I just I don't just get why you wouldn't do both. I just don't get why you wouldn't do both. Like right. if you want, uh, you want. True. It, it takes, it takes a lot more effort to say, I want everybody to have as much freedom as possible and the necessary component of everybody having as much freedom as possible is me being as compassionate as possible. And when those two things go together, then it makes sense. But if they're divided, it doesn't really make any sense at all. So it's like, it's like when we talk about free speech, for example, and obviously my life depends completely upon free speech. So I have a real stake in it and investment in it. But it's like, if you have, um, if you have people that are like free speech, free speech, fuck you, free speech. I get to say all this. I like I I get to say all the fucking rape jokes and like all the Nazi bullshit that I want to say. My question is like that actually doesn't sound free. Like it sounds like you're being really compulsively reflexive. So what's your definition of free here? Wouldn't free be like investigating the humanity of other people and learning all the variations of like how humanity works and blah, 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 and therefore applying compassion? That allows you to access to more freedom than this like reflexive knee jerk like dumb idea you have. So it's like all I'm saying is like, the two things go hand in hand and when you start pulling them apart, I think there's like a real problem um, and they just become these sort of abstract principles like you're talking about. They can become shitty uh, either way. They need each other. Yeah, they totally need each other. And I actually think if we can just agree that maximization of freedom is how we should answer every one of these questions, I'm totally on board. You know, I mean, I think that's, you're absolutely right. Every one, we need to have that be the measuring stick is how do we ensure liberty and freedom for every fucking person and in each in close cases you err on the side of fucking freedom i would say you well know? so so the way to maximize freedom for the most people possible is to be as compassionate as possible <laughs> that's how i think it happens right. and you know that real freedom is happening when you are when when you're expressing and experiencing the most compassion think it's like like think of it this way some someone was walking down the street and you uh, I'm, I'm trying to think uh okay 
this, this is a good example. I, I, you're, you're walking down the street with your friend and your friend points out uh, someone that you think is ugly and your friend's like, oh, check her out. Isn't she hot? And you're like, man, she's fucking gross, right? And you've just like shut down that conversation. You know, you've really limited that person's freedom to express their desires. You've probably rerouted the desires they've had in their head. You've created some shame in them. You've restricted them, all that kind of stuff. Instead, if you were compassionate and you were like, huh, well, I think that person is ugly as fuck, but uh, this is my friend here. And you said, uh, what do you find attractive about that person? And instead tried to seek to meet your friend, like then a completely different thing happens and a completely different like access to freedom. But see, the way we usually talk about it is like, well, I have the freedom to say that that bitch is ugly. You know, it's like, no, 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 that's not really freedom. Like well, there's something else happening there. You're talking about the freedom to... Okay, so the f- freedom requires the freedom to include and the freedom to exclude. It has to. Because sure. if, if you do, can't exclude anything, you, you aren't free to do shit. You have to include everything. So I agree. I mean, I have total understanding of what you're saying, and it's the sense of there is something very freeing in being compassionate, and it opens you up to so much more, right? But at the same time, you have to be able to exclude things. You have to be able to be free to say, I have my totally insane belief system, which is, you know, uh, I'm a Puritan, right? I believe all this crazy shit. I have to be able to say, I want to live my life in that weird ass fucking way. You're right. And, and to like the whole, you know, I know you hate when I bring up gay cake baking, but <laughs> to say, no, you... Muslim person must bake a cake for homosexuals. That is not freedom. You know, I mean, that's definitely not freedom either. Right. But I, I agree with you. But it, like, I don't know that I agree with like us saying that that's okay legally, which is a different question. That's it. Yeah. But but when good. but when I'm talking about in this example, the freedom is coming from I see my friend saying this person's attractive who I think is ugly. My first response is, oh, that fucking ugly person. <laughs> that's reflexive. So that's not even free in me. If I want to access freedom, I have to open up for myself. You have to pause. So when say, I yeah, say, right. what do you find attractive about that person? I'm not just offering my friend freedom. I'm offering it to myself through my compassion of my friend. So when I'm compassionate, it allows and creates more freedom for me because it creates more optionality. Maybe after when my friend says what they say, I'm still like, yeah, but like she was really ugly, you know, like that might still be going on and nobody's preventing that thought from happening, but I've given myself another option rather than my just sort of like knee kick. Like, so I think it, they're both sort of giving capacities. The more you do them, the more they generate optionality and freedom and more compassion for, for everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. You can leave reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can discuss it on your own blog or podcast, 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 podcast.